Well, over the next few moments, uh, last few moments we have together, I wanted to kick off a brand new sermon series. And, and I don't know if you realize this, but this last week uh, actually marked the four-year anniversary of myself and Tanya and the Coens coming over to Life Church. Um, next week will be our two-year anniversary as your lead pastors. Woo! And, um, and we're loving the journey. God is good. He's doing some great things. But um, when we came to Life Church, you know, four years ago, um, we knew what God was about to do. We knew we'd had some conversations with the elders here, and we talked about this plan for us to come in and, and, and take part in the church, and then eventually to, to come in and, and become the lead pastors here at the church. And as a chronic overthinker, as somebody who always thinks way too much, I was like thinking about all these things, and I was, I was praying about all these things. And, and I don't know if you realize this, but we live in the information age today. And if you need some information, it's out there. And when we started to think about the church, we started to think about what, what should the church look like? Where are we going? What do we need to do? I started to Google, um, you know, church growth. And man, there's like stuff everywhere. And there's some great material out there. But as I began to, to pray about this and think about it, what I really wanted to know is, God, what do you want for Life Church? Because God, if we can figure out what you want, then we can know where we need to go. And last week we talked about this idea of vision. We talked about um, what you see is where you're going to go, right? What you're looking at is where you're going to go. And so what we really began to pray about is, God, could you give us a vision for Life Church? What is it that you have for us to do? Could you distill it down into one simple idea? And as we begin to pray about this, I remember one uh, day I was in a, in, a, in a conference with Tanya. We were at a worship conference together, and I was, I was just, you know, letting the Holy Spirit speak to me in this conference. It was this powerful time of worship, and as we're worshiping, suddenly I got this image in my mind of this story. And the story is a story that we're going to read in just a few moments from Luke chapter 5. And it distilled down into this one big idea, and this is the idea, church. What is Life Church all about? What is our purpose? What are we here to do? We are here, church, to care for and bring people to Jesus. That's what we are here to do. We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. And so over the next nine weeks, what we're going to be doing, including today, is we're going to be uh, once again communicating our purpose as well as the values that we feel that God has given us for this church what are our values? What is our identity as a church? Because like I said last week, when you have a vision, it ought to be tied back to your values. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, if you have your Bibles today, turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. And I'm going to be reading this story to you today uh, from the New Living Translation. And this is the story that God put on our hearts four years ago as we came to Life Church. And I believe this is a prophetic story for us today. Here's how this is going to look. We're going to read the story. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it, kind of paraphrase it. Then what we're going to do is I'm going to pull out three big ideas from this story today that I feel like God has put in my heart for you today. We're revisiting this story once again. So, you guys with me? Okay, can we do this? Let's go. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 in the NLT. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord, uh, Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. 
They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home, praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is living and active. God, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. God, it divides between the soul and the spirit, discerns to the intents of the heart. We thank you this morning, Lord God, that your word, Lord God, will accomplish what it is set out to do, and it will not return void. And Father God, we come this morning under the authority of your word. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take these lips of clay and you would speak through me today, Lord God. You would anoint the Lord God. You would fill me with your fire and your unction to declare your word this morning. We pray that this would be a place of freedom and a place of life and a place of healing because Jesus is here. We thank you for it now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. So the purpose of Life Church, we are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. Now, to be honest with you, this purpose also comes from, from my experience as a young man trying to lead people to Jesus. Um, as I mentioned to you earlier, I am a chronic overthinker. And oftentimes, when I've tried to share the message of the gospel, I've found myself overcomplicating it. Anybody else like me out there? You know, like somebody goes, hey, tell me a little bit about Jesus. And I'm like, oh man, I need to start in Genesis. Okay, it starts with Adam and Eve. And God, no, no, in the beginning, God created the heaven. And I start trying to like, quote all the scriptures that I know, leading all the way up to Jesus and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? I start to do that. I, I, it started with some misadventures. It started when I was six years old in the sandbox with my neighborhood girl. And I told her that she would go to hell if she didn't have Jesus in her heart. She ran home to her mom crying, saying, my mommy won't let me. And then my, their, their, her parents came over to talk to my parents, I'm sure, and it was yeah, awkward, but it's all good. It, my heart was in the right place, right? And then I remember being um, a McDonald's employee, and I'm in my, in my break room at the, at, you know, between uh, shifts, and I'm sitting there with my friend Claude, and Claude says, Matt, I'm really interested in coming to church. And I started overthinking. Oh, man, you don't need to go to church. You need Jesus, is what I said. And then he never asked me about it again because I overthought it. You know, it, it, all these different things as I tried to overthink it. And, and, but, but what I've realized is something very important. That the one who saves is Jesus Christ. That my wisdom is not enough to save somebody. That I could have all the right words and still not save somebody. That the one who saves is Jesus and so what I begin to realize is that my, it is not my job to convince people to become Christians. It is my job to introduce them to Jesus. If I could just get them in his presence, if I could just get them where he is, then they could encounter him for themselves and Jesus Christ can save. Amen? 
And so in this story, we have an image of this as Jesus um, has come back into his home village, is what we're told in the book of Mark. He came from Capernaum, and he goes into this house and begins to teach. And as he teaches, a crowd begins to gather. And you can imagine the buzz that's taking place. Jesus is here. Hey, have you heard about him? He's over at whoever's house he is. He's over there. And so everybody starts running over towards the house. The next thing you know, you've got this crowd that's surrounding him, straining in to listen to what Jesus is saying. And as the word gets around, it gets around to a young man who says, oh man, I know somebody who needs him. I've heard about this Jesus. I've heard about the healing power that he possesses. I wonder if we could maybe get through to him. I wonder if this, this is a day for a miracle for our friend. And so he gathers some other of his friends. There's probably about four people. There might have been more. He gathers them together, and they go back to their friend who's a paralyzed man on his sleeping mat, and they say, you're coming with us. And the guy's like, all right, let's go. And they pick up the mat, and they carry him out towards the house. And as they approach it, there's a buzz in the air. There's people gathering from everywhere. They see people, they're following this, this crowd of people that are moving towards Jesus. And there he is teaching and, and telling them about the kingdom and, and sharing his heart. And the men come up and they realize there's no way they're going to be able to get through all these people. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. But they can't get through. And in that moment, they had, a, they had an option. They could give up. They could turn around. They could take their friend back home. But there was something in them that said, no, if we could just get him to Jesus if we could just bring him to the Savior, if we could just get him in his presence, if we could just get him to where he is, that I know that he could do something for this man. And so they got resolute. They decided they were going to do whatever it took to get him into the presence of Jesus. They got creative. They started to think outside the box. And they realized that on these, on these old Jewish houses, on the side of the house often was a staircase that led up to the roof. And they would use that as a living space up there as well. And so they, they took their friend up the side of the house onto the roof. And they said, we're going to do whatever it takes. And they trashed this poor guy's roof. They destroyed it. There was probably uh, uh, likely uh, tiles on top or, or whatnot. And they, they ripped it up. And they must have created a huge dust storm down in the house. I'm sure people are coughing, like, what is going on here? All of a sudden, the, 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 the roof opens up, and there's a light that shines in. And these men are peering down as Jesus is like, what is going on here? In the midst of his, whatever he is teaching. And they open up the roof, and with some crude ropes or something, they attach it onto the sleeping mat, and they lower their paralyzed friend at the feet of Jesus. And you know what it says that Jesus does? It says this, Luke 5, verse 20. It says that Jesus, seeing their faith, Jesus seeing their faith. Isn't it interesting it doesn't say, and Jesus seeing the faith of the paralyzed man. Jesus seeing the faith of this young man that was, had been lowered down and brought there at great expense by his friends. Jesus looks up and sees four faces peering through the roof and says, seeing their faith, he responds to their faith. And here's my first thought. The friends were relentless and creative in their mission. And the question is this, would we be relentless and creative in bringing our people to Jesus? 
Would we be relentless and creative in carrying others towards Jesus? Those that don't know him, would we be relentless and creative? Would we go to the uttermost parts of the world and preach the gospel and the good news and lift Jesus high? He said, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men to myself. Would we be relentless and creative in our desire to bring people before Jesus? See, part of the catalyst of the miracle was seeing the faith of the friends. But they had to take a step of faith to see their friend healed. They broke through barriers to bring their friend to Jesus. How many know that Jesus can save anybody? He can heal anybody. Yeah, Charles Spurgeon spoke on the quality of these men who would bring a friend to Jesus in such a way. He said, they need be strong for the burden is heavy. They need be resolute for the work will try their faith. They need be prayerful for otherwise they labor in vain. They must be believing or they will be utterly useless. Would we have that resolute spirit and resolute heart life, church, in bringing people to Jesus? David Guzik said their faith could be seen. Their bold, determined action to bring their friend to Jesus proved that they had real faith. There is something lacking in faith if it can never be seen. And my question is, do you have faith that if you bring people to Jesus, they will be saved and they will be healed? It's not your job to convince them. It's your job to tell them. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. I'll never forget when I, uh, I got to go to... Um, uh, Europe, I was in Germany, and we got to go to the offices of a great man by the name of Reinhard Bonnke, who was a powerful evangelist, who saw millions of people saved throughout his crusades. And I'll never forget sitting in his boardroom table, Reinhard Bonnke, and he started to share with us his heart. And I'll never forget him looking at us with this intensity. He got his, his preacher voice on. You know that preacher voice? And he started looking at us, and he's got this you know, thick German accent, which I can't do, but I'm going to try anyways. And he looks at us and he goes, the preaching of the gospel is the most powerful weapon we have against the kingdom of darkness. It's not your knowledge. It's not your wisdom. It's the declaration that Jesus is Lord. And I believe the Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes that he has set eternity in our hearts. I believe that there is something in us that gets stirred up and recognizes the truth of this regardless of whether our minds are able to see it or not. The Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to the unbelieving, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God unto salvation. Do you have faith that if you share the message of Jesus, people can be saved? Do you have faith for that today? And to that end, I would tell you this, don't give up. I mean, some of you have been praying for family members for years. Some of you have been praying for friends that you know need an encounter with Christ. Don't give up. Don't stop. Let's be resolute. Let's be creative. Let's keep going. Let's keep pursuing. Let's go after it because he is able to save. Amen? Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Isaiah 50, verse 7. For the Lord will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Luke 18, 1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. I'll quote the great words of the great Winston Churchill. Never give up. Never give up. Amen?
Amen. I put here, are you in the crowd? Or have you, are you one of the four friends? There was people in the crowd that were listening and straining to hear Jesus, and then there was four friends that said, we will do whatever it takes to get to the heart and the feet of Jesus. Will you do that? Relentless. As we read on Luke chapter 5, 20, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, rise up and walk. No, that's not what he says. He says this, seeing the man, he says, your sins are forgiven. And this is my second observation. Jesus knew the man's greatest need. Your sins are forgiven. I think there's a little bit of nuance here. I think there's some insight here because it says that Jesus saw their faith, not necessarily the faith of this man. And here's what we know about this time frame, this time period, is that in this time period, um, it was common to believe that if you had some sort of ailment or sickness, that that was actually an outward indication of sin in your life. It was, this, it was this outward indication. In fact, um, along this lines, they would often believe that some of the sin could have been passed on from different generations. So your sickness would actually bring shame, not only to yourself, but even to your entire family. And I wonder about this young man as he lay there paralyzed, unable to move, for all these years being told that you are being punished for something. I wonder what kind of toll that would have taken on him mentally. I wonder what kind of toll that would have taken as he began to ruminate over that and think about that and think about, man, did I, did I mess up somewhere? Did my parents mess up somewhere? Was I just born wrong? Am I just messed up? You know, I just can't fit in. I don't fit with everybody else. There's something wrong with me. And this thing that would have just messed with his mind. You see, imagine for a moment, Jesus could have at that moment healed his paralysis. But I wonder if this man would have remained paralyzed inside. I wonder if he still would have had this, this shame and this guilt from this thing that society had put on him. His body might have been healed, but inside there would be scars and shame. And I, this is what I want to say. When we talk about caring for and bringing people to Jesus, the first people that we need to bring to him every day is ourselves. The first person is us. Every day, God, I lay my life at your feet. I lay my burdens before you. God, I lay this guilt and this shame that I carry, I lay it at your feet. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And do you know that Jesus knows what the most important part of you is that needs to be healed? I love this scripture, 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Jesus knows. Jesus knows the depths of our heart. He sees every thought. He sees every worry. He sees every care. And he can heal the whole person. I love it that Jesus starts with the immaterial, with the things that you can't see. He starts in his heart. Your sins are forgiven. I wonder what the relief must have felt like for that man. I wonder if it was almost as good. We don't know this. If it was almost as good as getting to stand up for the first time. I wonder if that heart was released and he felt freedom for the first time in his life. 
if he recognized that there was something greater that he needed. And to that end, have you, have you ever been with someone who shares some hurt or an issue with you and you want to help them, but you, you have no idea how to respond? You can bring that to Jesus. There's been many times I've been talking to people that are unbelievers and they'll say, Matt, I'm really struggling with this right now. And I'll be like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but could I pray for you? And I've never had somebody say no. And I will simply by faith bring them to Jesus and trust that he will meet them right where they are. We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. Jesus knows your greatest need. He knows who you're praying for and who you're believing for. He knows their greatest need as well. Are you with me? Okay, let's finish right here. Number three. Jesus demonstrated his dominion over earthly limitations. Here's what it says. Luke chapter 4, verse 24. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Amen. Somebody say, praise the Lord. He stood up and went home praising God. So here's what I want to point out about this idea, this thought here, part of the story is that, okay, I want to talk to you about the sleeping mat. The sleeping mat. Now, this is interesting because this sleeping mat, we can imagine and infer that likely he might not have come from a very wealthy home. A lot of people had one thing that they had to kind of maintain throughout their lives. And this sleeping mat very likely had been a part of this man's life for quite a a while. We can infer that because as a paralyzed man, it's unlikely that he would be able to move around very much. So you can imagine that this mat over time had become a major part of this paralysis that he had experienced. It had become a major part of the the tears that he had cried at night as he had thought about maybe the sin or the guilt or the shame that he was carrying. This would be a major part of him feeling sorry for himself and going through this journey of being paralyzed. And so this thing, you know, over time likely probably stank. It probably, um, you know, had, had uh, urine on it and all sorts of different things. It probably had you know, bits of food on it. I'm sure it was disgusting. They just carried it through the streets to Jesus, and they went through a, a, a dusty, smelly old roof. It was probably covered in, like, dust, and, and it was probably just, like, gross. And I wonder why Jesus didn't just tell the man, hey, stand up, take that man and burn it, and then go. Why, why didn't he say that? This thing that had been a reminder to this man, you know, it had to have been a reminder, this, 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 this thing that had been with him as he had gone through his struggles, as he had gone through his challenges, this thing that had dominated him, that he was not able to leave behind, Jesus tells him to take the thing that had dominated him, you see this? And he says, this is what I want you to do now. I want you to show the dominion that I have in you, and, and, and what I want you to do is I want you to stand up, proclaiming your dominion over this paralysis, and then I want you to take this mat, this smelly old mat that you've carried around with you, that has been a part of you, that has been, you've been carried on, that, that is, is, it, it reeks, it's dirty, it's disgusting, and I want you to pick this up as a sign that you no longer are under the weight and authority of this thing, but you actually have the authority in me. And he begins to walk out of the house dominating the thing that once dominated him. Jesus demonstrates his dominion over earthly limitations. What is it that has been dominating you today? 
Is it an addiction? Is it unforgiveness? Is it something from your past that just won't let you go that has become a defining factor in your life? Is it a relationship that you haven't been able to let go of? What is it that has been dominating you? Because when you encounter Jesus, whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. And now this thing that had dominated this man for so many years, he would pick it up. And you know what happened? He'd be walking with it. And I'm sure people would go, hey, why are you carrying that mat with you? He said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you about this man that I met. This thing used to dominate me. This thing used to be uh, something that had dominion over me. And I couldn't leave it. I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, move past it. But there was this man named Jesus, and I met him. And you know what he did? He forgave me of my sins. And he gave me a new heart. He put a new song in my mouth. And he let me stand up, and he let me walk with authority that I didn't even know that I could ever have again. I never even imagined it. But this man named Jesus gave this to me, and now I walk, and I have dominion over this. There's a testimony in your test. Come on, there's a, there's a message in your mess. Amen? Romans 6.14, sin no longer is your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Amen? Amen. So my three observations. Number one, the friends were relentless and creative in their mission. And Jesus saw their faith. Number two, Jesus knew the man's greatest need. And he healed the whole man. Not just his legs, not just his back, not, ever, not what, just what it was that had kept him paralyzed. And then number three, Jesus demonstrated his dominion over earthly limitations. He can do that for you today. Our purpose is to care for and bring people to Jesus. And this is what the Word of God tells us, that where two or three are gathered, there I am also in their midst. And so we believe that Jesus Christ is here today, that he is able to do this for you. And so this, mor this morning as we close, I want to just invite my beautiful wife to come onto the keyboard And we don't often do this, church, but I felt like we needed to do this this morning. I want to open up the altars here this morning. For anyone that is here that would say, I need an encounter with Jesus. Just a moment. We're going to open this up. I want to encourage you that in this story there was two groups of people. There was the crowd who listened well. And then there was the four friends that chose to move and pursue him and do whatever it took. And this morning I want to encourage you not to let the crowd keep you back from an encounter with Jesus. If you're looking around today and you say, this is intimidating to me, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't feel great about doing this, don't let the crowd stop you. Jesus is in the midst. He's here today. He's able to make, meet you right where you are. He is our Savior. He is our victorious warrior. He is our hope of glory. It's Christ in you. So today, 
I'd like to invite everybody just to bow their heads for a moment. Just to close their eyes, just for a moment. that's you today and you say I don't care what it takes I need an encounter with Jesus I don't care what it takes I need to take a step of faith and I need to be relentless in my pursuit of him if that's you today I want to invite you to come on up front we're going to pray for you this morning as we do that can we just get everybody to stand just this solidarity If that's you today and you say, I need a fresh touch from Jesus, I need to encounter his presence. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Thank you. Tanya to lead you in a song, and I'm just going to come, I'm going to pray for you. We also get people that are on the prayer team or have been on the prayer team to come on up as well, and let's all join together and let's pray. We can lay our hands this morning, believe God to move. Yep, mom, dad, if you guys want to come up and pray, elders, let's just gather around these this morning. I just feel like there's a weight being lifted off your shoulders right now. I just feel the wind of the Holy Spirit is coming into your spirit, and he's going to give you a new heart and a new mind. And I see that the eyes of your heart are being enlightened, that you will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the inheritance of the saints. And this morning, we just speak that over all these up here today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are well able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And right now, in Jesus' name, we speak to every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares. And we pray, Lord God, that it would be cast down today at the feet of Jesus. Father God, we pray the dominion of Jesus Christ would rule and have authority in each life, Lord God. That your kingdom would come and your will would be done in each heart. Father God, come, Holy Spirit. And touch each one this morning, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.
Father, we come to you today, Lord and Savior of all. We declare your greatness. We declare that you are God and you can do whatever you want to do. We pray that freedom, Lord God, would fill this place and that we would leave changed, not the same, by your presence. Father God, help our pursuit to be on you as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that all these things will be added to us as well. We turn our attention back to you, Jesus. And we thank you for the work that you've begun here today, that you will be faithful to complete it. We ask these things now in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said,